Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. That's right, everybody. Episode 100. That is, and I'm no stat man, though, but that's episode 100. Nick, we finally have arrived. We did. And... Man, you're odd. Not being in your little like mirror room with the rolled up rug wherever you are sounds amazing. Oh, it sounds good. Yeah, it's like oh, sweet. Pro- That's weird. I don't. I don't know what anything different that I'm doing except that, for sitting in a different room. We gotta hang curtains in your office. That's what it is. We gotta hang curtains to deaden the echo. Is that is it echoey when I'm in Virginia? A little I bit. Have, yeah. I have a curtain that I can pull down every single day. I just don't because we'll I just, like looking out at the street. We'll just hang blanket blankets around the whole room. It'll about be amazing. That. Or we can just put a blanket over you. Just sit under your computer or whatever with a blanket on top of you. I'll, I'll get it done. <laughs> All right. This is cool. Episode 100. So the crazy part is we don't really have anything like incredibly special like we would wanted to. A lot of this is coming together. I don't want to say last minute, but the way vacation schedules, tour schedules, Ben's mm-hmm. camping, I'm camping, like every uh, Evan's out at D-Glow, Nick's out, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. It's amazing that we can even pull off a show with all this cool technology we have. But my Yeah, po- it's funny, Evan, this week, Evan and I are closer to each other than we normally are <laughs> on uh, the Nick and Matt show. So. Yell out the window. Oh, yeah, let's pull a three yeah. up. Go three up, Ben. Yeah. So Evan's here from Stat Mando, everybody. He's out in hey. D-Glow land as well, Michigan. How's it going, Evan? It's going pretty good. I'm in the town of Novi, which actually stands for Northern Six, apparently, like N-O, then Roman numerals V-I. Wow. Uh, Cool little tidbit. (laughs) There's Stat Mando for you, and I feel like that would be a cool disc golf brand. Yeah, courtesy of my Lyft driver, but uh, yeah, I'll take credit. (laughs) Nice. There you go. So the point is that I was trying to say, and I'm a man of few words, I mean many words, um... We're going to do special, like, we'll do, like, a in memory of episode 100 kind of thing, like, a, like a, a celebration of 100. But tonight is that actual 100th episode. And if you do the math on that, Evan, about how many years does that break out to? About, I mean, generally. Well, like, an episode a week? Yeah, that's what we're doing, yeah. Yeah, like, just short of two years. But but we all know we've taken time off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're a little mm-hmm. over two years now, so. I all mean, right. some weeks we've done two episodes in one week. <laughs> like this one. Yeah. <laughs> feel like we were just here. The difference right. is, everybody, we're recording on Friday evening, and that's not usual. Thank you to the chat who's getting in there. Nick, we've been getting up like 300 in the chat lately, which is pretty cool for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. live viewers are just a different breed, everybody. You're out there listening. We get about 10,000 yeah. people to listen every episode, but we get about 300 or so in the chat, and that's a different breed. We love the chat. <laughs> but that's tonight... Awesome. Because it's a Friday and they're not used to this, Nick. We've got like 30 in there right now. <laughs> Maybe we we got to somehow promote it better, which I thought we actually did pretty well promoting it. So I was yeah, kind of surprised. Were, but people were excited. But yeah. let's do this. There's a chance, and I'm literally dangling this carrot. There's a chance Paul Macbeth comes on the show later to say hi, possibly. Yeah. But we have Chandler Kramer. Uh, you may recognize that name, not from Seinfeld, or it's, yeah, no, Kramer, well, Cosmo yes. Kramer. Seinfeld, yeah. Um, but... The European Open, the dude was on the lead card, the final round, incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk to him, find out a little bit about what he's doing. He's at, he's at D-Glow. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know if he wants to come on the interview after it, where he's at now, 
He's, I think, 99th out of 115 or something like that. So, but we won't rub that in his face. We'll just have a conversation and see where it leads. All right. So, everybody, we're really excited. We have a lot to talk about. In fact, uh, let me, before I pass this over to Evan, last week, Nick, mm -hmm. apparently, Ben, intern Ben looks at the chat, uh, not the chat, the comments now. He looks at the comments. He weeds out the ones that he thinks are good and bad, and he lets us know what's going on. And he's like, dude, people are really worked up. You didn't talk about European Open, yada, 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 yada. You talked about Nico, da, da, da. And my response to the group chat when that came up, thank you, Ben, by the way, for sending that over. My comment was like, no, we talked about the European Open for 15 minutes. Yeah. We have Stat Mando oh, on the show, the yeah. best in the game. I was like, that's a whole podcast for some shows. But because our show runs about two hours, people felt like, man, we really didn't give it enough light. So here's the deal. We heard you. Yeah. We're going to give you some cool stats that came out of it. In fact, let's go full screen on Evan. We've got the full stat Mando crew and some of their slave labor. I mean, I, I don't Carl! know. <laughs> Carl. Carl. <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just messing we, we around. Carl more than the founder. Oh, okay. So here's the deal. I wanted to welcome to the, the show the full, well, I have to be careful. I'll let you say it. The full Stat Mando team, the core team, and Carl. You'll have to introduce <laughs> Carl for us. But here's the deal. We want you to go ahead and uh, just introduce who you are, maybe, and then also just start giving us cool things that came out of the European Open or any other cool storylines that we should be looking at going forward. And the floor is yours, Evan. Yeah, so real quickly, we got the three founders. We got Hans right here. We got Dion and then myself. Carl's one of our uh, elite researchers. We got more of the team across the country. Not all of them can make it, but we're lucky enough to have Carl out with us. Uh, but yeah, the three founders and Carl. And I'll start it off with saying European Open, we saw Paige Pierce take it down her 17th. She came back from behind. That was the first time she ever had a final round comeback in a major to get the win in her career. She's had 11 of those in elite series, but hasn't had it in a major, you could say more rounds that she just had the lead going in, but still an incredible moment for her. That also marked the largest comeback ever within 36 of the final holes. She was down eight strokes to Evelina Salonen after round two, clawed back, got the victory, uh, sparking the biggest largest, comeback. Largest comeback for her in 36 holes is what you're saying? No anyone okay and that's any that's any elite series or major event too uh nobody's come back from more strokes within the final 36 holes okay um page pierce has actually come back from bigger but that's in like a seven round world after having <laughs> you know the first one or two bad rounds okay so oh. that is this is the this is the deal um stat man though if again, introduce yourselves, Evan, go ahead and introduce who you're with. Cause I want people to know they, they know who you are and they hear stat Mando on our show every week. And they're like, this is the whole reason I listen to the show. It's my favorite part. Like Matt, <laughs> Matt and Nick, we can pass but Evan, give us Evan stat Mando. So, but I well, want everyone to know the whole team, like you guys are all working on this from the beginning, uh, introduce each other or yourselves. And then, um, we can get some more stats. Yeah, first of all, those comments are right. I agree. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, so Hans right here, he's from? I live in Texas. I'm from Montana. I'm a Montana, but I live in Texas. Yep. And I handle like the, the tech side, really. So I don't do a lot of the stats like these guys, but uh, I handle most of the tech stack. So. What got yeah, you interested? Were you interested in stats at all? Or are you just like, hey, I'm a guy who can do tech? 
Yeah, originally, I the thing that I kind of came to the group when Dion posted on Twitter a couple of years ago to, to kind of what brought us together was more about like how people are performing in social media compared to their performance on the course and are they getting paid enough relative to that kind of like we see with Kona like you know she does really well socially and you know that's a big part of the package for these players it's not just their performance on the course and so I was interested are there people overpaid underpaid and that's what kind of what brought me to the team okay so, so are they underpaid yeah, we're still working on that. We're still working <laughs> okay. on that. Off the more immediate stats. Let's um, ask this. But... Are you guys underpaid? <laughs> <laughs> we're happy. We're happy. Okay. Yeah. Speak we're, for we're yourself. Having... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're on the Nick and Matt show. This is good. <laughs> yeah. You've made it to the bottom. No, I'm kidding. All right. Uh, introduce uh, Dion to your left, I think, Evan. Yeah, so this is Dion. If you guys are longtime listeners of at least like nine months, you would have seen Dion <laughs> on the Nick and Matt show before myself. Uh, but go ahead, Dion. Oh, sure. Yeah, I've been disc golfing for close to 20 years. Um, grew up with Nate and Colin getting me into the game, Nate Sexton, and uh, toured back in 2011 pre-YouTube era, so there's not a lot of coverage of me out there. But in the last 10 years, been working in the professional sector and finance and banking, started a family, and uh, wanted to do something to get back into the sport and elevate the game. Uh, so having this team together and, and coming up with Sat Mando and doing stuff that's going to hopefully make the sport uh, more engaging and uh, better experience for the fans and better experience for the players and all the stakeholders. Uh, sort of what we wanted to accomplish with Statmando. And do you like long walks on the beach? Um, I actually <laughs> prefer sunrises over sunset. <laughs> all so, right, all we'll right. keep that in mind. Um, so, and we'll get to Carl here in a minute. I just met Carl like pre-show, barely. Um, but Statmando you're private and you try to sell your services. Is that kind of the deal here? I mean, that's the business model, if you will. Yeah, we go on the street corner, we wave a big sign, <laughs> we say disc golf stats here, $5 a stat. And that's not a very popular business model, but you know, it, it gets the job done. Okay. Well, we thank you very much for loaning out Evan at such a steal. We'll keep him for as long as we can. <laughs> Grandfather him in, but okay. Introduce Carl to us. Cause this is actually a part of, your success, I would imagine, you want to at least introduce someone like Carl. Yeah, absolutely. Carl, when did you first, I'd say, reach out to us, join our kind of community, and then kind of get tied into us? I think it was bef just before the beginning of this season, I, I started working with you guys. And basically what I'm doing nowadays is I'm primarily involved with the live broadcast, giving broadcasters stats during the broadcast, and or for Jomez or GK Pro, um, just communicating that to the broadcasters wow so you got a lot of people how many other people i don't want to say like carl but that are not part of the core team how many other people would you estimate that work with you yeah of course carl is unique uh he's a fabulous solo individual uh i think we have about you know five others doing the live broadcast research but maybe a dozen yeah. sort of top researchers people who are very invested in building up the platform and building out various projects and, and stat related products. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we have people working on different things. Some people are doing the live broadcast. Some people are kind of doing, you'll see like those probabilities and projections. I mean, Doug and Will on, on Twitter, if you see their stuff, um, we have some other guys that are kind of going into like kind of Monte Carlo method. Um, and then we have some guys who just are really into like standings and kind of rankings based stuff. So everyone kind of finds their own project with it. Okay. Um, and I, 
feel like I know the answer to this, but I'm interested in your response to it. Are you the only group out there that's at the place you are with disc golf stats or are there others that are like really close to what you're doing? I'd say where we uniquely positioned, we put in a lot of work. We've been doing this for about a year, almost a year and a half. And the amount of sort of groundwork that these two guys laid in order for us to have a database, a structure to be able to access information and piece it together um, easily and, and quickly is, is unique. So there isn't many other entities doing what we're doing. And if they were to try to replicate it, it might take them a while to catch up. Oh, snap. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, Nick, it's weird. You're always remote, but it seems different with Evan not here and all that. I'm feeling lonely in studio. I guess right. Ben's over to my side, but like anything you want to, <laughs> anything you want to ask the guys there before they get into more stats for us? Well, I've, I've obviously met Evan and I know Dion pretty well. If you guys are ever looking for a good video of Dion, check out Distance with Dion. It's an old OG Discraft video and he actually teaches you how to throw a disc far. So, and where is that set, by the way? What's that? Where is that video set? Right at Toboggan, hole 14, baby. And uh, wow. they've extended it a little bit. I don't know, you know, Dion, if you caught a glimpse of where the new T pad is. So, I'd be curious where your drives are going to land now. <laughs> with the new t-pad yeah but, um they'd still probably go about 300 feet further than my own so uh now nah, matt i'll let you take all the questions for the stat guys this is more of your department <laughs> so i don't really have any more questions but i would love for them to give us you mentioned i'll throw this out there we can go with this one next or you can pass it and say no there's better ones matt but what are you seeing for stats on ricky wysocki maybe his season or because we said european open how did he finish at the European Open? Was it 12th? Uh, and what is the trend showing there? Yeah, I believe it was 12th. I actually don't have that number in front of me. But yeah, I, I think I said this on last week's podcast, but I want to re repeat it, is that he went 21 straight majors with inside the top 10. Uh, it wasn't since 2014 USDGC when he finished 43rd, had he not finished outside the top 10. And now we see him at what you could call a limited field in the European Open, or at least a limited depth of a field. Um, and he finishes outside the top 10. I'm, I, I know he's disappointed with that. But then you can kind of think deeper with that, too, is Ricky Wysocki hasn't won a major in the last five years. Um, you have to go back to June of 2017, I believe it was uh, 2017 Worlds. Um, that was his last major win. Uh, and yeah, he's been close since. He's been on the top time plenty of times, as I just said. Uh, but he hasn't gotten that win. And I think that's, you know, kind of a, a big chip on his shoulder. Okay. Um, and during the and during the live broadcast today, everyone, you remember we're recording on a Friday right now and D-Glow's actually happening. During the live broadcast, I think it was Philo. He's like, eh, like Paul's not happy. He hasn't been winning majors lately. And he's like the last one he won. And he thinks about it. He goes, was last year at USDGC. And someone's like, last year <laughs> like that's like so yeah, yeah like he five, missed two five majors years. yeah so five yeah. years is uh wow it sounds like a way larger uh thing there so you guys all at statman in agreement about that like wow that's a big deal five years without a major yeah i think rick has um you know battling injuries and and he's become more consistent and i think he is in the case for a top three or four players in the field over the last decade um it feels like he should have won something i think his performance his overall exposure is high enough to make it feel like he's won big events in the last uh five years so five is sort of a surprising number when you actually do the math 
Okay, yeah. So, I mean, Ricky's going to be fine, but he's not happy with 12th. The trend is showing it maybe the last five years. Maybe he's hungrier than ever. He's made a lot of uh, sponsor changes, too. I feel like a lot might be a strong word, but in the last five years, isn't, hasn't it been three? One, two, I think it's just third right now. Uh, it was pre-Innova and then Innova and then this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he can yeah. find a ground to land on. So that's an interesting stat. What else do you guys got? And to kind of transition from that is – like Ricky Wasaki came very close at 2019 Worlds. Remember, he had that 1100 plus rated round in the final round uh, at the Ledgestone courses, um, almost catching Paul McBeth. Um, but that was the highest rated runner up at a major ever. Um, Paul McBeth was just short of that, like barely uh, at this past European Open to be the second highest runner up event rating ever at a major. And then we saw Eagle Man be the highest event rating ever at a major, ever. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned the limited field too. Uh, you know, you could still maybe argue that, but at the end of the day, like if you're going to count on ratings, having the highest event rating of all time, I'd call that a pretty, uh, pretty iconic major win. Yeah. And I, now I'm not the stat guy, but I saw a stat. Was it provided by Statman? If it's not, I apologize. But on DGN, they said today, like the average, this was, I feel like it was the highest average rating or the highest average rating for someone who took second place at this last week's European Open with Paul's. I think it was 1,072. Does that sound right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I was just getting at is that was the second highest okay. with the highest being oh, Ricky right. at yeah. the okay. world. Yeah. Right. So Ricky's done that because he shot off like a crazy hot round that you were talking about. Uh, so what else are we seeing yeah. that maybe we missed last week to talk about European Open? I mean, there's so many things, but what stat wise, anything else stand out to you? Uh, I mean, we might have mentioned this, too, but it it has to be the biggest. The biggest part is the 16 stroke difference, was it um, between Paul McBeth in second and Kevin Jones in third? Um, which is the largest gap ever for any kind of tour level event um, between second place and third place. Okay. You guys uh, are doing str strength of field. I know you're doing strength of field. Now you got your power rankings, which by the way, are those released to the public yet? The power rankings was a teaser last week. Uh, looking to be soon. I'll, I'll leave that as a teaser. Okay. Um, but so you tell us field about strength, the field. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. what you think about the field strength at the European open. I mean, it's tough to say because we saw such a good battle between Eagle Man and Paul McBeth and then other great players in the field like Calvin Heimberg, Simon Lazat, Ricky Wysocki. But at the same time, we were missing, you know, uh, Chris Dickerson, who some say might have the best season on tour this year. We were missing other players who have won elite events like Isaac Robinson, Gannon Burr, who, uh, who hasn't won an elite event, but has been you know, the one of the most dominant players this season and probably the best who hasn't won an elite series yet. He didn't make the trip over and countless other of those very, very, very good tier, you know, just below kind of the Paul and Eagles. A lot of that depth was out who could win on any given weekend. Okay. I see uh, Hans over there typing away. He's looking up stats and feeding them to you right now. There's no way you know all this by yourself, Evan. Uh, well, Hans, like, we'll just be hanging out and Hans will just be coding and, oh, and upgrading on. our site and doing cool things like that. Yeah, Hans is releasing the power rankings on the website now. <laughs> Exclusive on the Nick and Matt show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ben wants to push that button. Don't do it. Don't push it. Are you sure? Do not. 
I was gonna say Nick's gonna. Oh no! For a Nick and Matt show exclusive. I'm muting for a minute. No, put Nick up. We gotta see his smiling face. Okay, there. So Nick and his bully. I want to just get Nick's reaction. Every comment that I've ever seen about that music is that it's literally the worst sound bit they've ever heard in any they podcast. They absolutely love it, though. They love it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to chime in here. It's the second worst bit. Uh, I'm not going to say what the first one is because it's not even music. Yeah, it's Stat Mando. No, it's do 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 Oh, it's uh, our Discure discussion. Oh, I got confused. Yes. My bad. That one had the highest yeah, budget to date. Yeah. I mean, Ben asked a lot to do that one do, live. Do, do, do. Exactly. Right. So, Nick, just a quick reaction from you because we know that Stat Mando is hungry. And maybe you are too, but. Um, oh, I'm starving. Okay, he's starving. Um, strength of field. Did you think European Open was actually pretty light when you looked at it? Um, yeah, definitely so, on the FPO side. Um, what's that? So Evan I, was thought you're, to. I heard field strength and thought I was called on, but it's you, Nick. Go <laughs> oh, on. I just nice. wanted to see okay. if Nick agreed with the numbers. Time, Evan, thank you. Yeah, I just want to see if Nick agreed with the numbers that Stat Mando brought there. I mean, the eye test. What did you think, Nick? No, definitely. Um, the strength of field, missing Dickerson out of a major who was the only other major prior. Um, was a big thing and then on the mpo side i mean it still was a pretty pretty solid strength i mean you had most if not all of the kind of top players who we're talking about in our sport right now minus the ganimbers and you know stuff like that but um what's it called on the fpo side it felt a little lackluster and i say that you know just because you know, Chris and Tatar hasn't been at any events lately. Uh, Valerie Mandahano was not at this event. Alexis Mandahano was not at this event. And so it didn't feel as, um, sorry, it's my phone ding. <laughs> no, it's not. That's intern it's, Ben, Are though. you hearing it from my laptop? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's my laptop that's yeah, dinging. Intern my Ben is just blasting us in group message talking <laughs> smack about the chat <laughs> right now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was going to say, don't text our group chat during the show then. <laughs> sorry. Just um, speak up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So uh, all in all, though, uh, I mean, it's a major. I still felt like it was a solid field, but I get what you're saying uh, by it not being kind of like the most strength in it. Yeah. I mean, seen in the past there, if you do the eye test and just do a quick scroll, if everyone does it right now, it goes back to European Open. You do start to mm -hmm. go, huh? Yeah. A lot of really good players were not there, but. It, Ricky didn't really show up. I heard the funniest thing, by the way. I think it was Paul. So Simon did a live, like, Instagram feed at D-Glow when he showed up. First time he was there, is my understanding. And Paul was playing the practice round with him. And Simon go, or Simon hands the phone to Paul, and Paul's like, oh, I'm going to interview Simon. He goes, Simon, like, reports are, like, why didn't you show up to the European Open? And Simon laughs, and he's like, you know, that's funny. He's like, rumors going around that I wasn't there, but I actually was there, you know. And But Simon was there, and he's been – we we were arguing how long ago? Hottest player of the season. So, I mean, there was a good field there, but um, I, I think the numbers are going to back up what we're seeing as well. So, anything else, uh, Stat Mando, before we let you go? Yeah, Matt, I just wanted to give you a sincere congratulations and Nick as well for getting to 100 episodes. Uh, we're so excited to be a part of your your story and your journey. We're excited about your big reveal of calling it the Nick, Matt, and Evan show for episode one and one. <laughs> and uh, no, we're not doing that. No, that was it's, okay. there's Next, there's bigger plans. More weeks. Yeah, there's bigger plans. <laughs> and, and Carl. <laughs> but just a uh, a true true congratulations and uh, you've been a big supporter of ours and uh, we're proud uh, of you and what you've accomplished 
Thank you, sir. If at the very least the show's platform has helped make Evan more famous than anyone else in your group, that's a good thing. You'll <laughs> <laughs> never be able to beat Dion. <laughs> I we played around today, and it was the first time I ever played around with Dion without having the lead over him at some point during the round. Wow. Okay, there that's a stat. Yeah, he finally has me. He has me beat. (laughs) Finally has me. Oh, man. Um, All right. Well, are you you guys aren't coming out to Vibram Open again. I mean, listen to me. I'm back in the Stone Age. (laughs) Dating yourself. Wow. Okay. Uh, MVP. It has a V in there, at least. MVP Open. Um, It's the final playoff event. Are you guys coming back out? Evan will be there. Yeah, I'll be there, of course. Oh. Matt, Matt, you said you were going to fly me out, right? Uh, let's see. We <laughs> I can. Yo, oh, intern ben, ben can. Intern Ben will fly you out. You can stay with him, too. You have to stay with him and drive around him. Just pay him in jerky. <laughs> just pay him in jerky. Yeah, I'll pay the airline in jerky. Whoa, that scared me. I thought we got hacked for a second. I'm not even kidding. That scared me. She, but she won't be able to hear. No, she won't be. Wait, hold on. Oh my goodness. I literally thought that was like a. We might get an echo. We might get an echo, but Nick. I don't know why the volume so. Can you hear me? It's really fine. Okay. You can just tell me what he says. Hannah can't hear me. She can't hear me. I was going to just tell her that the episode where she took the rug and Evan lost his mind because he didn't know they were in the same house. That episode was hilarious. And I just wanted to say thank you. So. I just told everybody some really mean things about you. Now you have the earbud back in. I'm going to start oh. saying nice things. No, I'm kidding. Oh. The episode that where you congrats. took the rug, where you took the rug, I have to know. This is an exclusive interview. Yeah. How far ahead did you plan that out? Or was it really in this like spur of the it moment? It was really in the moment. I looked <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> the funny, that's one of the funniest. It has to be one of the top five funniest moments for sure. But like Evan Guys, had no welcome. clue you were in the same room. <laughs> Evan had zero idea, and he's like, his mind was exploding. How did that happen? It was just incredible. So, thank you, thank you for that moment, and thank you for stopping in and crashing the show. Bye, guys. <clears throat> See you. All right. This happens on the Nick and Matt show every now and then. People like me jump in the show randomly. <laughs> People like Hannah, maybe Paul later. We've got Chandler Kramer lined up here, and we've kept him in the green room long enough. I'm going to let the Stat Mando guys go. Um, you guys are all set, right? You you want to go eat or something? Okay. We're going to go eat. I've got a special treat for your 30 folks in the chat. If they can answer, first one to answer this question, we'll get us a, a giveaway from Statmando. Oh. For your 100th episode, first to type in who PDGA number 100 is, we'll get a, a special giveaway from Statmando. Oh, and that's going to be a fan of the show, I think. Yeah, so. it has to be. <clears throat> It has to be, but that's great. So let's see. Let's see in the chat here. They probably have like a five second delay and we'll see who can type the fastest. Um, But I think his son is actually playing. Oh, Harry Chase. Got him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't give it away. Harry Chase answered. So John did win it. Hey, by the way, congrats on the win, Harry. My doubles partner taking down a big A tier. Yes, sir. Harry Chase, longtime listener of the show, came up through the junior ranks even as a 17 and 18 year old. And now he's taking down eight years as a pro. And he's a big fan of the show, is my understanding, providing us with the talking points. We'll just let him build our shows from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Statman. To appreciate the nice words. Definitely 100 episodes was a journey. And your support by letting Evan do this without 
making us pay royalties or license fees or whatever, or, or maybe he's just swallowing that himself. I don't know, but either way, thank you very much for that and uh, have a great evening and good luck out there this week. All right. Cheers. All right. Peace, peace. out. And bring back something good for Evan. I mean, he's hungry too. So I, mean, I was going to say, is Evan not going with them? No, is he's yeah, not going with us. He's not. I, he's staying. I just, I just waved, but I'm staying. So my bad. Wait, on I didn't know what a guy. What a guy. I just got caught up for the, the moment. Show. I was just going to go grab pizza with the guys, but yeah. I mean, no, I'll stay here. How far away are they going? Like an hour? Uh, right there. Go get pizza oh, if yes. you want. Hey, if you want to go get pizza, come back and like, if we're going to talk to Chandler for like the next 20 minutes. It's like a sit down place. All right. It's so, up to you, man. Wow. It's up to yeah. you. All right. All right. It, a little tough. Okay. I'll, I'll see if they can get me. <laughs> okay. There you go. Cool. All right. Let's do it. We've made him sit in the green room long enough. We started a little bit later than we planned, and uh, we're excited to have this conversation. Um, I didn't know I'd have this conversation before last week, but now <laughs> that things have happened and he's been uh, in the limelight, if you will, of disc golf, we have to know more. So let's welcome to the show Chandler Kramer, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? absolutely great you sat we saw you in the green room for a little bit you saw how the nick and matt show goes sometimes Macbeth's crash it sometimes stat mando the whole team's <laughs> there but we're we've got yeah. you on right now and wow all i can say is wow it was a fun the european open was spectacular for a lot of reasons but one of them being the storyline that came with you uh first of all congratulations i think is in order for you i mean yeah you want the win but thank fifth, you fifth has to be pretty good right I'm yeah, fifth is uh, really good. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> I was trying to get third, but that last round I had a little few too many bogeys, but it is what it is. Fifth place is still really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. So and tell you us right there. Yeah. yeah, you were right there in the third place pace too. Like you were just talking about the last yeah. round was a little, but you were right there. It wasn't like, you know, going for second place to where it was, you know, 15, 16 strokes out or maybe even more. Oh yeah, no. Second but, place was completely out of reach. Like yeah. I knew that going in, but I was yeah. trying to go for third and I ended up having, I think like nine birdies on the round. So mm -hmm. it definitely was possible. I just needed to play a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. So you, you've, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get to a lot of this here. I mean, did you just say, yeah. oh, well, yeah, I said, oh, well, okay. So, oh, oh well, I didn't get third at the European Cause I can't, Open. I can't change it now. I can't like, I can't go back and change no, it No, you can't, but I just find it amazing. We're, we have to get to the whole story. I mean, you've been playing a little, what is it? Two years, maybe at this point, cause I started playing at the beginning of 2020. So I think it's two and a half years, technically Jeez. Okay. PDGA tournaments. I've been playing for about two years. Okay, so I've been playing about 15, and I've never been on the lead card of the European Open. <laughs> and I've invested a fair <laughs> amount of time. Maybe I'm just not good at disc golf. But I found it interesting to hear you say, like, oh, well. So here's what I have to ask. You've done something that, yeah. and maybe my numbers are off. Evan, I know you're sitting there, or you're, you're that's fine. You're not on camera. <laughs> I see him standing off camera and looking on his phone. But I feel like, Chandler, you've probably done something at 99.9. .9. Is that a good number, Evan? 99.9% .9 of other disc golfers will never do which is a major PDGA major final round lead card in contention for at least third. Um, what does this do for your confidence? And I mean it in both the positive and negative, like what does it do for you going forward? Yeah. So I guess we'll touch on the positive things before I get into yeah. the negatives. Um, <laughs> well, building confidence, at least it gives me, it gives me the confidence to know, like I've been in the situation or I can now be in the situation and I can actually compete with, um, you know, Macbeth Eagle. Well, Okay, 
I can at least be on the lead car coverage and contend because they were, I was going to say, like, I can't compete for the win at European Open. They just did something ridiculous. Uh, Eagle and Paul were on their own. They were in their own planet, basically. Um, but it gives me a lot of confidence going forward to know that I can contend for tournaments and maybe even a major moving forward, not just like the European Open, but uh, maybe like USDGC or you know, Worlds one day. You never know. Yeah, and I'm not asking you to think of the negative side, but here we go. I mean, does that shake you up to where it's like, wow, I've I maybe I've reached the top so early and I can't keep it up? No, I don't really think anything like that. I, I just I'm I'm more so think along the lines of since I've been or since I'm now in the limelight and people have seen me on lead card, it almost makes me think. It almost makes me think like I have to be there or like I'm expected to do well. I wouldn't necessarily say expected to do well and get back on the league card, but I'm expected to play well consistently day in and day out since I know I'm capable of it. Mm-hmm. It's more so just like pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, how yeah. do you feel? How do you, was that kind of a pressure that you feel like you already had before? Like you have probably played so many rounds out there now at this point, you know how well you can shoot. Do you think this was an added pressure coming after European open or this is always something you've been hard on yourself in the sense of like, I know what I can do. It's kind of funny because like I've always been hard on myself and I like I always want to do really good and during during the round and the best I can. But before this, no one knew who I was and no one really cared. Right. So I could go out and shoot the worst round of my life and no one would have been like no one really would have paid too much attention, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going out and shooting some of the best golf I've played probably this year. And now everyone's kind of got their eyes on me to some extent. So it's kind of <laughs> It's kind of weird in real and serious. I mean, maybe you don't track this stuff, but but give us like rough numbers. How many social media messages or new fans and followers did you get after that? Oh, God. Um, well, some messages. Hundreds, thousands. I couldn't tell you. OK, not thousands. OK, I'm not that popular. Come on. There. No. Um, OK, but you got say... a, you got a boost. You got a boost in your social media, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I think going into Europe. I I think going into Europe, like I was at 900 followers. And I think right now on Instagram, I think I'm at like 2,200. There you I go. Think. That's the thousands I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. So I've gotten uh, a few more followers wow. uh, since Europe. And uh, I've gotten honestly more messages. Like I've gotten so many messages on whether it be Facebook or Instagram or like any other social media platform, really. it's It's just nuts. Like a lot of people have either been like, we're either like rooting for you or like new fan or a lot of people have actually told me like they're really inspired because they mm-hmm. have the same play style in the sense that they throw only forehands and they're like before like I felt kind of weird going out and you know doing only forehands since you know no one's really doing it and they're like knowing or seeing you out there is kind of giving me hope that I can maybe do that one day mm-hmm. like so okay. it's been um all the messages have been really really good so you, you brought now, it up. He brought it up, Nick. I don't know where you're going with it, but forehands. You oh, said no. people will be inspired by it. Like the fact, you, I think you even said like forehand, maybe you said only. I know there's reports that you threw one backhand <laughs> at the European I Open. I threw okay. one backhand. Okay. Um, so let's let's ask that question. I, I've got questions all over the board, but you brought it up. Is the forehand throw your best option for most shots? As in like, you're choosing it because to you, it's the best option. Yeah, you could th- you can throw a backhand, but it's not going to be better than your forehand. Is that where you're at with it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, right now, as much time as I've spent, because like I said, when I first started playing, I really only threw forehands. Backhand didn't exactly feel good on my shoulder. 
for whatever reason, it didn't feel good on my shoulder. So forehand was more comfortable. I would throw it honestly as, as hard as I wanted to, and it wouldn't hurt at all. So that's kind of, I stuck with it, practice it a lot, still practice it clearly, but um, it's something I'm more comfortable with. And I just don't ever see myself or like, I never really thought to backhand, if that makes any sense. Like it, it's something I'm more comfortable with. And I know that right now with the way my forehand is, it's more accurate and it's more powerful than my backhand is. And I can control it way better than I can, can control a backhand. What's your, what's your, uh, intentions and plans for continuing in the sport? Is there any, like, do you have any thoughts about how you're going to develop your options? I guess we'll call it. If you mean options for like throwing style. Yeah. yeah I intend on, this off season, once the season is pretty much done, I intend to at least develop my backhand enough where I can be comfortable using it in tournaments. That's kind of like where I'm at right now with it. Was it inspiring to see the fact that Eagle threw only one style, but he actually incorporated in, you know, his offhand too? I mean, that had to be inspiring to be right there on that card. Yeah, seeing Eagle do pretty much nothing but backhands, it's I always one of my favorite players I've always like wanted to watch and I've actually been able to be on a card with him this year was Conrad because he throws only backhands like seeing somebody have just once be completely one-sided is kind of inspiring on its own so Mm -hmm. seeing Eagle do it was pretty sick as well um but (laughs) being on a card with Eagle him seeing him throw some of those shots was absolutely ridiculous the man's got so much power yeah If you've never seen him in person, everybody, Chandler's not lying. (laughs) Nick, I cut you off earlier. What's up? Ridiculous. No, I mean, I was really just going to roll into kind of like the goals and ambitions coming out. This is your first year full-time touring. Uh, You're living the kind of road life of where you're traveling event to event. And then even within your first year, you go out and you play Sula Open and you play the European Open. And you do very well at both of them. Like, Kind of just talk about your goals. What were they at the beginning of the year and what are they now? I have, a, there are some goals because I, I, being the first year on tour, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't want to give myself any expectations. I didn't want to be like, okay, I think I'm good enough to do this, this, and this. So I kind of just set a few goals that I think could have been obtainable. One of them was uh, get on coverage. That was one of them. One of them was just cash at, a, at an event, which I've done that more, more than once, I think. I think I've done it like a few times at least. And then one of them was actually get like a top 10, I think, at, some event and i actually got tied for 10th at beaver state so i was like okay cool um i had some longer term goals like top 10 at a major um you know win an event or something like that so i I smashed a lot of my goals honestly but some of the long-term ones seem even more obtainable now considering Mm. what happened at european open Mm -hmm. cool yeah and so european open let's just get to this before we figure out like how you were introduced to disc golf how did it come to be that you you saw the European Open? You're like, hey, I want to play that. I want to go to Europe. Let's go. Like, what what did it take for you to get into the European Open? It got a little robotic there on your end, but I think I heard you. So what did it take to get into the European Open? Is yes. that what was the question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being right at the deadline as soon as the signups hit. Like, that was exactly like, because I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go over to Europe in general. I told myself because i honestly wasn't sure and i if i was going to be back for another year on tour this was going to be i figured if i'm going to do if i'm going to tour my first time on tour like my first year i'm going to do everything so i decided to go to europe and it turned out to be just a very good deal but when it came to signups for the european open there were so many spots already that were um 
kind of like for everybody that who was supposed to be in it last, the year got canceled. Mm -hmm. So there's only so many left and I had to be right on time for signups. Or at least that's pretty sure that's what I had to do. And I, I got in. So that was the hardest part about it. <laughs> was that just was like just, a disc uh, golf tourist thing? You're like, hey, I want to go play the European Open. Or did you actually think to yourself like, I want to go. And I mean, it sounds stupid. Everyone wants to play and to win. But I mean, like in your mind, you're like, I'm going and I want to like try to win this thing. I had seen. So when I saw the coverage of it, I knew I wanted to at least go play it sometime before my career is over. Mm -hmm. uh, when I actually got I, and I, I knew I wasn't sure what to expect because the level of competition, it was going to be pretty high. I mean, it's a major. It's always going to be really high. But I thought that I could probably compete pretty well. And once I actually got there and I played the course, I knew I could compete at that course. A lot of people, and it's, it's kind of funny because like, even though I threw only forehands, that course, in my opinion, set it, set up really well for forehands. Huh. Okay. I, I, I mean, you, you killed it. I, th I saw lines that I didn't know, you, you know, you'd throw there and it was impressive to watch. Absolutely. Um, so let's go back a little bit further in, I think, is the PDGA someone did an interview with you? You've probably been contacted a few different times for interviews. Um, Just a few. Yeah, thank you very much for jumping on here, by the way. We're really happy to get you. Um, college competition in disc golf, coll collegiate disc golf was a thing for you. Is Did you jump right into that at, like as you're like beginning to disc golf? Um, and is that your first exposure to disc golf competition? So the whole collegiate and competition was... It was actually very weird because I started playing in college, I want to say around my junior year in 2020. And at the time, I was playing for fun. I think I had like three discs maybe and a drawstring bag. And I was just yes. kind of out there <laughs> playing one day. Yeah. And I was out there playing one day. And there was like a large group of like eight, five to eight guys. And I remember I was on hole one and I was just waiting on them and they're like, Oh, do you want to like, do you want to jump ahead? And they all kind of looked at me cause you know, I have a drawstring bag. Yep. Usually when someone with a drawstring bag pulls up, they're like, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll play real quick. And so I just kind of got up on the tee and I threw my first shot and out of my hand, I knew it was good and it parked it and like it was under the basket and everyone on the card kind of just shut up and was like, can you do that again? And I was like, yeah. And turns out I, one of the guys that was in that group of eight or five, whatever it was, he was the captain of collegiates. So uh, for the, for the A&M team. And so he, we talked a little bit more, he saw me play a little bit more and he invited me onto the team. And from then I started playing a lot more. That same day, I actually met who I consider a pretty good friend of mine. His name is Caleb Wilkins. And at the time, I think he's still a pro, but at the time he was like a thousand rated pro and I uh that was the first thousand rated pro I ever met he introduced me and essentially is the reason I'm playing for uh, tournaments today without him I would not be playing PDGA tournaments mm -hmm. wow so yeah. that's like Nick he got on the lead card he's like thanks to my boy Matt <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was Nick so Nick by the way I don't know if you guys have crossed paths out there at Deglo yet but Nick's out we there played. competing as well yeah, at, at Deglo we haven't crossed paths yet, but actually the first you know pro tour event that I went to this year, Chandler and I were on the first round at Waco together. Uh, really? In the freezing yeah, cold. Nick, yeah. Nick, dude, he killed it. Are you yeah. kidding me? The man shot like eight down in freezing cold weather. Wait, like, yeah. killed it. You so you were on his card when he did that? 
Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a uh it wasn't made up. You know, I didn't cheat. He was there. He saw <laughs> yeah. it. You're the first person to actually <laughs> confirm that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. No, but oh, it's funny. No, that's mad. But that's funny. Um, Everybody to be, has to be that. honest off the yeah. to be honest off the top of my head, I don't remember who else we played with. I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Nick was in the zone. I um, I'll be honest, I don't exactly remember either. I just know I, that. Oh, I do remember. I think one we had another guy. Chandler, right? No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. I know we played with Jared Stoll, though. One of the oh. guys, because he's yeah. yes. Evans, Evans, looking it up. No, he's not. I don't think Evan is. Yeah. I don't remember the fourth, but yeah, I remember. I remember Jared because just because yep. I remember he threw a tomahawk over seventeen on seventeen and in a party. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, "What is this man doing?" And he just chunks it like straight in the water and then pitches yep. up for a par. I was like, "Easiest par of my life." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "Okay, well, that's cool." I insane. didn't know. I didn't know yeah, there was that yeah, connection, okay. but I will say yeah. that you were mentioning your your friend or your introducer to disc golf. That was Nick and me when Nick made the lead card. He's like, I want to say thanks, you know, people introducing me and Matt's one of those guys. So everybody has that first time. And that's really cool that it worked out for you in this way um, to get all this uh, limelight, if you will. So, um, yeah, a few other things here um, would be you're on the lead card. Two things come up. Number one, let's start with the first one. Lone Star Discs is on your back and it's wherever else it is, but it's it's right there. Tens of thousands yep. of people are seeing it and they're going Lone Star. And I have exposure to Lone Star a little bit. I actually got to meet them out at Junior and Master Worlds a um, mm-hmm. few weeks ago in person. Hey, good to meet you. Um, and they had sent us some discs, I don't remember, a month ago. And yep. we, we did a review, Ben and I. Um, but tell us your connection to Lone Star because... Most people are like, who's Lone Star? And so tell us that. And then like, um, is this your only sponsor? Is that is are they helping take care of you? Do you have big dreams with them? Like, what's the goal here with Lone Star? Let me let me see if I can turn on a light real quick. I think it's getting a little dark here. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> it's a different show. It's so, like getting dark with Kramer. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So I think I sorry, I was in the midst of like trying to turn on a light. I think I heard the first question was, is Lone Star my only sponsor? Or like how do I know how do I know the guy? Yeah, right? yeah, sure. Tell us about Lone Star. I mean, it's on your back and are you are you throwing Lone Star discs at this point? Okay, so a couple I want to answer the first one yes. though, because um yeah. Lone Star is not my only sponsor. Okay. My other sponsor is a retail sponsor out of Rockwell, Texas, and it's the disc barn. Love Garrett, everything he does, he's super awesome. Now, as far as the Lone Star guys go, I love them so much. I can't like express words and how much I love them. They, I first met Travis and Josh at a little C tier or B tier, might've been a B tier in Austin called Throwdown Showdown. And I think I ended up taking second place to Tanner, who at the time, Tanner Gerard, who was sponsored by them. And after the round, Tanner was like talking about, you know, hey, Chandler almost caught me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like his forehand's really good, stuff like that. It, I don't know what he always said. Yep. But then um, they were like, well, who, they're like, who's this Chandler guy? And he, he pretty much told me about him or he told them about me. And basically at the end of it was like, you probably need to sign this guy or like you probably need to like give him a shot. And so a little bit later on, I got a message from him. And they were like, do you want to be on the team? And I was like, absolutely. We we talked, we sat down. I expressed my interest in basically wanting to go on tour and do this full time. And they said, we'll support you in every way we can. And so the rest has pretty much been history. They helped me get to every tournament. They've paid, they, helped, they have helped me get into every tournament. They've helped me with travel, everything. 
Like I love them to death. They are they are the reason I'm on tour, basically. Them and the Disbarn. Like they both have supported me entirely and it's amazing. <laughs> and to answer your other question, do I throw their plastic? Yes. I am I have a mixed bag technically, but I know by the end of this year, I'm more than likely gonna have a full bag. Because they're all the molds that they have, they started out whenever I first signed with them. I think they had about seven or eight molds. Um, now they're at least at twenty. I think they they've got a lot, and so I fully plan on being full bag. And if I re-sign with them next year, which I I would like to, if they have me back, mm-hmm. I will be full bag and full time Lone Star. Wow, gotcha. awesome! Yeah, I and I was I was interested in their plastic as well. Oh, yeah, they got really high quality plastic. I know a lot of people just watching the coverage are always wondering, oh, what disc is this? What disc is this? Because it's like, okay, you're sponsored by a company that not everyone throws, but you know, if you're out there throwing, you know, a Discraft Force or an End of a Boss or something like that, whatever else you're throwing, people kind of have an idea with that. But now the newcomer yeah. on the road throwing discs that other people haven't heard of. I mean, it's huge for you, huge for the company. And yeah, watching that success just come out of the European was open, kind of was awesome. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask this, and after such an incredible event going forward, we talked about the added pressure that comes with it to where you know you can do this. And do you feel like, I'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't sound, you know, weird, but like, just do you word feel it like that's we'll, something we'll that's going to, what's that? Just word it and we'll work around it. Well, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to word it just to like, just to make it sense, you know, make it make sense. But um, yeah. more like, do you feel like that's something that, you know, are you pressuring yourself into a top 10 finish every time now? Or is it still more just go out, play my game, you know what you can do? I mean, I always put pressure on myself, but it's never it's never a pressure to reach for a certain placement. It's always a pressure to go out and perform the best that I can. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I end up at a top 10, if I end up at a top 20, if I end up dead last, it is what it is. But I'm currently at a place where right now I, I'm more so at a place where I just know that I can reach, I wouldn't even say good placement. I know I can play really good golf. And so I pretty much pressure myself into playing good golf. And sometimes I may pressure myself too much. Mm-hmm. But right now, since mm-hmm. I'm still young and it's my first year on tour, I'm still learning. So there's not as much as I want to pressure myself. There's uh, Right now, there's not a ton of pressure on me. So okay, I can kind of learn still from all my mistakes. Definitely. Well, and I'm literally asking the question, not because I'm better than anybody, but I mean, I was like, is he going to want to do an interview after today's finish, which plus three, <laughs> plus three, I'm probably plus 15, like at least. But like the point is like you look at the field and you're thinking, well, I was at the top last week at the European Open and I'm starting out not probably not the way you want. I mean, that's kind of I feel like maybe not where Nick's question came from. But like, how are you looking at at it at it after today's round? Like, how does that make you feel after today's round? Today for me was just one of those rounds where I was throwing. I did not throw the disc bad except for a couple holes. And I, based on my scorecard, I you can probably guess which holes that were. <laughs> but um, I didn't play bad. I actually had some really good throws. I had some really good birdies. Like I birdied hole nine, which is in my opinion it shouldn't be a par three like i don't i don't know what's up with the stigma of making a bunch of 500 foot par threes but (laughs) they're deciding to do that on every course now it seems like Mm -hmm. but um i don't it was just a weird day for me i don't think i played my best i definitely didn't play my worst but um 
I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird feeling. I wasn't happy with the way I played, but I also wasn't disappointed because I know there were some very good things in there that I did. It sounds like a good I guess mentality. It's one of those to things. Me. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm just going to fix it tomorrow and move on. Yeah. Well, that's how what this course, everyone needs to do. How does yeah. this course play in the style that you play? Do you feel like it's, you know, kind of 50 50 on what's good for forehand and backhands, or do you feel like it's a majority? of a backhand course like how, how does it play for your play style i don't even honestly i don't think it's a forehand or a backhand course i think mm -hmm. if you throw 500 feet you're going to score very well on this course i think you have mm -hmm. to have power on this course and that's mm -hmm. seems to be the only well i, I don't want to say it's the only thing but that seems to be the only thing you have to worry about on this course is distance mm -hmm. which i don't know i i throw far but after today and throwing a full power <laughs> shot on every tee shot and almost every up shot. I don't throw that far. Yeah. <laughs> I can I tell know. you that. I hear you. It's just like, yeah. I'm so, like, honestly, at the end of this, I'm just very glad that, well, got to knock on some wood here. But um, <laughs> after this, I'm hoping that I have no injuries because I feel like a course like this with how many full power shots I'm throwing, it could easily get hurt. I mm -hmm. think I saw a couple people complaining about, either their arm or their body was hurting like they're actually injured from yeah. how much they're having to the full power everything well the wow. hike and the elevation in and of itself and then they extended holes that you know you almost didn't feel like they needed to be extended like hole 14 here at toboggan this year you know from last year they extended it back about 100 to 130 feet and so now drives on 14 you know i watched ab throw a 585 foot drive like we bushnelled it and everything and yep. he was just starting the upslope on that hole. And so it's like, that's a 585 foot drive. My best shots are going 420, 430 feet on like a golf yeah. shot, you know, and that's me perfectly throwing a golf shot yep. to the point where like that hole is unreachable for me. You know, it's just, it's not worth it in a sense of like, I have to try, I have to throw two beyond perfect shots to have a birdie on that hole. And it's not worth taking a bogey. I'll just say, well, all right, I'll take my par and walk away. Nick, you were under par. There a few seems times. to be. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I birdied the holes that are simpler birdies. Um, hole four is not a massive power shot. It's just a clean hyzer. Uh, hole seven, uh, I throw a forehand on a hole seven, and so I get pretty far up the hill on my ups. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of hole. I'm thinking of hole eight. Hole seven, I just had two good shots with a good putt. And then, but it's same thing. It's not, I'm not, I don't have to throw 500 feet on those holes. If you can throw 500 feet, it makes a whole lot easier on those ones. But the mm -hmm. back nine, um, definitely they made so many changes this year to the back nine where, you know, throwing hole, let's see, hole 10 up the hill probably plays what feels like a thousand feet going uphill the whole time. I threw that two, hole is ridiculous. I threw two really <laughs> good uphill shots and I had a 45 footer just straight uphill and a headwind to where like, that's a tough putt to hit. And then 13 is a 500 foot downhill hole for, or excuse me, hole 11 is a 500 foot downhill hole. Hole 12 is a 450 foot uphill so, hole. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, I'm hearing power is something yeah. that is becoming is more there. and more of a premium on the tour, yeah. but let's I'll do, say, I'll say like, this. And, and so a lot of people whose scores I was noticing today, um, there are an insane amount of people with how this course plays, who putted 0% from circle two. Hmm. And the reason yep. being is, 
you know, every single one of these holes has some sort of elevation on it. Oh, a right. lot of times the elevation works in the favor of you having uphill putt more towards the end of it. And with how much incline and decline there is on this course, a lot of those uphill 35 footers feel like 45, 50 footers. And with the, you know, we had some pretty crazy wind today at some points. It wasn't like insanely bad, but we had some gusts that were pretty good up there. And so when that's, you know, gonna, you know, blow gusts at you when you're putting uphill in a headwind, it's like, okay, I'm probably not going to make this putt now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's two more things. Then we have a game called Stat or Fiction that Stat Mando puts on for us that we'd love to do with you. But the first question okay. is just generally, what is your response to people that were talking about your uh, apparel selection for the European Open or just disc golf in general? Uh, it made it made a conversation, at least in the social media world. Do you have any response to any of that? Your thoughts on it, what the dress code is or is not or to you, whatever that is. So, um, that's a good question. I, um, so first off, I'm going to say this. It is my choice to wear what I wear. I always, I, I've always been very comfortable wearing, uh, some kind of dry fit shirt. So I basically treat it like a Jersey. So as far as the comments go on social media, I actually saw a post. Um, there was a Facebook debate group. I think it was a disc golf debate group. And one of them was, I know it was very clear who he was talking about, but it said something along the lines of PDGA should have stricter guidelines. I don't want to see guy a guy playing in a t-shirt and shorts or something, right? So um, I don't usually comment on stuff, but I commented on that one. So I <laughs> went go. to the... Uh, <laughs> I went to the PDGA dress code, screenshotted it, sent the uh, circle the little thing, and I said, hey, turns out that person was completely in the dress code regulations and there was no issue at all. Um, so basically my response is if I'm, I'm not in any violation at all, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to keep wearing what I'm wearing. If they change the rules, if they change the uh, dress code, then I'll change. It's as simple as that. But I, since I am not in violation, there I don't. I'm what I'm wearing is comfortable. What I'm always worn, so I don't feel the need to change it right now. What do you? I'm sorry, it doesn't appeal to certain people. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what do you think it is that that didn't appeal to people? Like because we don't see that every week. Is it the fact that you were new, or do you think it's actually something that stands out? I mean, I guess it does in some sense. It's but. probably the fact that I was in the spotlight. Because I know that there are other people that will occasionally or sometimes wear dry uh, fit shirts like I do. And it seems like no one really pays attention or doesn't really care. I don't think I've ever, I think it was just because I was in the spotlight on lead card in a major. Mm-hmm. I think that was my, might be the only reason why. Well, Lone Star got a lot of publicity, and I'm sure you're thinking about re upping your contract at some point with Lone Star. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you have some renegotiation clause in there because they're like, this is amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Well, I'm sure we'll be probably talking after the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so there was that, and I forget what the other one was going to be, but let's go have, ahead, go ahead I, Nick. I have, one, I have one last question, and make it brief, because the Disc okay. Golf World has spent so much time oh, this talking was it, about Nick. it. Thank you. But <laughs> you were on the card with the Nikola Kasher incident. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> say, um, say as little or as much as you want, and my question to you, and let me, let me finish it with this. My question to you, just... What was it like? Okay. 
I'll try and keep this as brief as possible. Yes, thank totally you. Fine. <laughs> so let's let's do let's start with this. Uh, Jeff Jacquois was the one that was following our card the entire round. Okay, mm-hmm. so a lot of people thought that they were targeting Nico. Like that's uh, that's not true, or at least not that I'm aware of. Nico got warned on hole seven on his upshot. I got warned on hole eleven on my tee shot. And a lot of people don't seem to know that or realize that because they thought that Nico was the only one that got warned. On hole 18, he went over time again, except that time it wasn't Jeff Duquois. It was, I forget his name, and I, I hate to butcher it. Matei so or something. One of the year, Matei from the European side was with us, and he was doing exactly what Jeff did, which was on every throw and every putt for all of us. He was doing time to make sure we didn't go over. It was a PEJ rule. That's simple as that. Nico went over time. And I actually asked Matei like when he was starting and he was being very generous about when he started. He wasn't really starting until we were pretty much lining up our shot, or at least we were certain and we were, yeah, pretty much lining up our shot. Mm-hmm. Anywhere, uh, anyway, Nico went over time again on 18. You saw the whole thing happen. For me, I was honestly very annoyed because I was shooting, I think at the time I was 10 down and I finished at 10 down, but I had one upshot to go and I was the next one that had to throw. And so while that's going on, I'm sitting there trying to line up my shot, trying to tune everything out. And it's a little hard when somebody is basically in somebody else's face, (laughs) screaming and kind of yelling and I don't know. It was annoying. So I, I know they didn't, the camera didn't catch it, but I pretty much waited for a minute to see if it was going to die down. It didn't. And then I pretty much turned and I was, cause at this point I also didn't know if I was getting timed from the official or not, even though I assumed he wasn't because he probably had uh, somebody else in his face, Nico. And I kind of just waited and I looked over there and I said, are we done? Are we good? And then he, Nico didn't say anything to me. He just kind of looked at the official, stopped, turned. I threw my shot out of bounds. Thanks for that. And then um, as soon yeah, as soon as that happened, he turned back around and went right back at him. And Man. so I'm just like it, it was it was no very kidding. annoying and frustrating and it didn't stop until even after the round from what I understand it kept going. So wow. I just as somebody who is on the card, and I can, and I want to make a point about this. I that's kind of the reason why some people don't ever want to call time violations. Yeah. Not even just on Nico, on anybody, because mm-hmm. it ruins. It can ruin the mood of the card instantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it was on hole 18 because if it was during like the middle of the round, I would have. I, there's no way I would have been able to finish and play the way I played. Yeah, more you, than likely. And, and I'm not expecting. Here's another thing. It's self officiated. I mean, you could have, if you were really upset, you could be like courtesy violation. And then as soon as he starts going off again, courtesy again, and you start stroking him. I mean, the the rules are crazy. I was but, ready to get off the course. Yeah, I, like we were on hole 18. Yeah. I was like, we each have, I think at max, like two, one or two throws left because I think I had, I think, uh, Yessie and Christian had like one more upshot to go. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, can we just get off the course and deal with this in a minute? Like, can we? And it, it, like, oh, okay. God. Well, yeah, thank you very was, much. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. I mean, that was interesting. And in fact, yeah, go ahead. I see your finger up. Go ahead. Side. Yeah. Side note. So on the, uh, on the interview I had with for glow, people thought I was taking, I don't know how people really like to get upset about anything. <laughs> and they thought I was taking time. Uh, they thought I was taking a shot whenever I said like a time violation on Paul. Yeah. No, it's because, and I want to clarify because some people don't read comments. I wasn't taking a shot at Paul. 
or I was thinking I wouldn't take a shot at Nico. I was taking a shot at Paul because Paul took like two or three extra minutes or whatever it was for his interview. Yeah. And even afterwards, he got done. He goes, I think he, he goes, I thought I was just going to take enough time where you didn't even get the interview. So I like that's that's why I made a joke yeah. about that. But people like to get upset. Oh, so. people like to get upset. It's it's a it's an interesting group of people. I don't read the YouTube uh, comments anymore because it's just unreal all the time. I mean, so, OK, here's the last thing on that. I'm going to Evan's still here. I don't know if we have a four up. Do we have a four up with Chandler in it? I think yeah. we do. let's go do that. OK. So Evan here from Statmando, you probably heard him when you got in the green room. Evan did yeah. a little tweet at some point during the event that said, uh -oh. it's crazy how we only saw this Nico situation because Chandler Kramer was on fire. I doubt this gets talked about much by word of mouth. Some goofy blonde guy in gym shorts <laughs> who only throws forehand is the one reason we see punishment to Nico's antics. This is wild. And then you respond and you said, so many people told me about that. And it was funny because Evan's on our show and we loved it. It was a great time. So Evan was all in good fun, I'm sure. But what do you think? That was pretty funny. Not funny. So um, <laughs> that was the first tweet I think I've had in like a year and a half or two years. For the That's record, hilarious. I just want to I want to go ahead and clarify that. That's so I good. Had, like I had people hit me up through text messages, like, and then one dude just screenshotted the text and sent it to me, and I was like, I got to go find this tweet now. And so I was like, mm. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be offended yeah. or if I wanted to like that was kind of funny, like. Evan so like, is the most well-intentioned guy. I'm going to I'm going to do this for you as a mediator. He is the nicest guy I've probably just about ever met. I'm Nick's pretty nice. Ben's really nice, but Evan yeah. Yeah. over the well, top. Well, that's a huge compliment first of no, all. Thank there, you. I I knew that it wasn't bad intentions okay. cuz like I could tell uh compared to some other tweets I've seen that were honestly borderline disrespectful at least in my eyes, but Evan went out of his way to say because he was shooting on fire. So he pushed, he put that out there first. So he knows a good player. I knew it was good intentions. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. If, if I knew it's it was not good. clear enough, all the love. I loved it. You're like, you responded with like, I'm that goofy guy. I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I was like, meanwhile, like, this is the goofy guy. Yeah. Whatever. And I think I like had like an image of goofy. Yeah, or you something did. From, yeah. yeah. Here, let me here, I, I here, put it up full screen or, or on me. Yeah, he, channel you handled it very well. Like, props to you all right cool all right hey let's do that yeah. stat or fiction real quick if you stick around for a couple minutes we're going to play a game which just is stat or fiction about disc golf in general so let's go oh boy i'm Take probably gonna be really bad stat or fiction presented by stat mando all right so the way this plays out is evan from stat mando provides us with a a statement about disc golf and we have to decide if it's true or false or in this case stat or fiction all right, go ahead and oh, give it no. to us, Evan. All right. So Chandler's Kramer's goofy tweet was his first tweet in a year and a half. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's a stat. Um, yes, that's a stat. <laughs> that, okay. that would have been wild. All right. Um, so as we saw, Paige Pierce has most major victories in FPO of all time. She passed Valerie Jenkins. But Valerie Jenkins leads most FPO major podiums by 11 over Paige Pierce. She has 11 more podium finishes and majors than Paige Pierce. I'll, st I'll start it out and I'm going to say stat. Let's go to Nick and then we'll go to Chandler. I'll say stat as well. Now, Chandler's only been around two years, <laughs> but he's going to listen to that statement and have to make a decision. What do you think, Chandler? You said Valerie Jenkins has more podium finishes by 11? 11 more podium finishes than Paige Pierce does at FPO majors. And okay, major specific. Yeah, um, yeah, and the most of all time in FPO. 
I'm going to go with the stat. All right. We're, none of us are pulling away here, but let's see if we got it right. All right. You guys were quick with that. That is a stat. Wow. Uh, Valerie Jenkins has 39 major podiums in her career. Paige Pierce just picked up her 28th. Um, very incredible to both ladies. Yeah, I just did it because I know she's been playing so long. And at that point when she was playing, I'm not saying it was easier, amazing accomplishments, but Valerie was able to get podiums probably easier than it would be today. That's all I'll say. All right. What do you got next? All right. Ricky Wysocki has a higher major podium percentage than Paul Macbeth. Say that one more time. Ricky Wysocki has a higher major podium percentage than Paul Macbeth. Like he, so I'm the not going first, Nick, you're first. The amount of times he makes podium I divided by the I say fiction as well. Chandler, you got to fiction. We're all going fiction. <laughs> oh, man. Are you guys ready for this? Because this is a stat. Wow. I should have just really? asked Paul. He's literally... Four feet away from me. Oh no, no! Don't bring Paul into Starfish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I keep laughing oh. so loud. Evan's I swear to God, no. this is about AMs and amateur nationals no. and crap like that. Actually, I, I should have clarified. I left it out, but it is NPO. I figured. Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, Ricky Wysocki yeah. has a sixty-one point seven six percent podium uh, percentage. Paul McBeth's at a flat sixty. Uh, McBeth wow. does have more podium finishes. He has well, twenty-seven. <laughs> But out of, <laughs> he has 27 podiums out of 45 events, but Ricky Wysocki has 21 out of 34 events. Okay, so, I mean, distinguishably, like, as far as, like, the eye test goes, we would have picked them to be a tie or a Paul to lead. But the fact that the numbers are showing it that way, it's pretty cool to know. And maybe we need to just share that with Paul, inspire him a little bit for this upcoming, you know, world. So, okay. Well, I think I have Paul's response, which would just be like, yeah, how many wins do we each have? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll let it be there. Okay. Uh, stat or fiction number three. Let's see what we can do with this tie. All right. To keep it on Paul Macbeth, uh, with his running up at uh, European Open, he passed $200,000 made in majors in his career. Is this how stat or fiction started? No. <laughs> it was like it was money. Yeah, right. Bringing it back to okay. Hey, that's now this isn't tough. one event. Chandler, you can ask uh, for it or, to be reread. You can ask for it to be reread. I know why I will, but you're up. Well, he said two hundred thousand dollars in just majors, right? Yeah, from all of his majors in his whole entire career. Uh, okay. I got to think about that for a minute. Yeah, I'm thinking about it as well. Yeah, I because I said it last question, I did say he's played 45 majors. Thank you for that. That helps. 27 podiums. Uh, what is he at? 16 wins. So I'm saying it comes out to just over $200,000. Oh, he's being specific, just over. Um, it, as in he passed the $200,000 mark. I'm going to say... If- Great. I'm going to say fiction, as in he didn't make more than that. I'm going out of order here because I'm ready to answer. Okay. All right. You ready, Chandler? I don't uh, – I feel like there's – oh, man. Um, so you're saying, like, with this most recent one, it just put him over the mark? That's what it would be yes. probably, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't – That I feel like he's made more, but that doesn't – I don't know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Okay, oh, come on, man. I don't know. I feel like he's made more, but honestly, I'm going to go with – Yeah, I'll probably go with fiction. Uh-oh, Nick. I'm going to say stat. For the win. That 
one. You're going to change it, Chandler? No, okay. I won't. Here we I'm go. Listening. You're thinking I know he won like 30 grand from USDC or something like that last year or something. Well, let's see what happens here. Evan, give it to us. Yeah. All right. This is fiction. Yeah. Uh, just barely. He has made $176,000 in his career. In just majors. Um, in just majors, <laughs> yes. Thank you for that correction. Um, yeah, that's the most by a wide margin, almost $40,000 more than Conclimo made, even with all of his wins. Wow. Um, but just shy, well, just shy, you know, you know, quarter of 100000 uh, from uh, 200000 Okay. All right. Well, but we have a tiebreaker on our hands here. We I, have I hope we have something. Me and Chandler need oh. to go at it. I didn't mean to tell you guys what the what his cash was. Oh man, <laughs> that was the title. All right, there you go. <laughs> well, let's let's bring it over to this then, because I have a number for another player we okay. just mentioned, Ricky Wysocki. Okay. Um, how much how much money has he made in prize cash from just majors? Now, this is not a stat or fiction channeler for the tiebreaker. It's going to just be whoever's closest. Okay, prize no, cash. No I'm gonna say he has. So I'm not allowed to ask if it's more or less than Macbeth. 180, 180. No, it's gonna be about the same. Uh, 180 thousand. You're up, Chandler. All right. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you any more hints, Chandler. So you have to know if it's more or less. If you go Just over majors? or under, then I win. Yeah. Whichever way it and goes. This yeah. is this is Ricky Wysocki's career in just majors. See, it's kind of hard because you said that he has a better podium finish yes. than Macbeth. Yes, and so that makes me think he has more money. But he, does he? Have, but does he have as many wins? But now I'm giving you more insights that I'm thinking about. I think it's. I think it's going to be a little bit less for some reason. So I think Paul was probably like a hundred and uh, I can't remember what he said, but I'm going to go with like 160 thousand. All right, he went under. I went over. Who's closest, Evan? All right, Chandler is closer. Um, so you guys uh, reference it. I'll get into it in a second. You guys reference the podium percentage. Remember, this is not a percentage-based. It's just total number of cash. So yep. Paul McBeth has more podiums, more wins. He does have the more, more cash. more wins. I thought about that, but I just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I win wins are the big one. Ricky Wysocki is at 119,500. Wow, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not as many wins. What was Paul out again? 176,000. That's 60 grand okay. more or whatever. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's... Uh, bit of a distance that's a drastic difference okay so chandler wins our guest of the show uh congratulations winning stat or fiction he came into this being like ah, i don't know <laughs> but he I thought i was gonna it. lose for sure no you're good hey let's go back to four up real quick um cool he did that that was quick that's why i hired ben to do this i, I, I already did it, it was feed, him, feed him jerky thank you all right vegan jerky. Oh, i just got two bags of jerky today actually huh? ted teddy teddy nailing shout Hooked out to you my man he sends me a text yep. message here's your boy and i was He's like driving man. and i was like what is he in my neck of the woods hanging out with my kids? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's He's my boy man. Nick. All right. Well, uh, uh, we are so happy uh, that you joined the show, Chandler. It was really cool. Um, shout out to your sponsors if you'd like to. Beyond Lone Star, uh, you yeah. mentioned Disc Barn. Um, anybody else you yeah. want to shout, shout out? out to my t- uh, for now, shout out to my two sponsors, Lone Star Disc and the Disc Barn. Um, also, shout out to Brazos Valley Disc Golf Club back home and Waco Disc Golf Association, the two local clubs. And uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate this. Thanks for joining us. Wait, and good luck tomorrow. I have oh, one oh, more question for you. Chandler. Okay, Chandler, hit me up. What you got? What have you been sipping on this whole ch- this whole time, <laughs> dude? I went to Jimmy John's and got me like a nice sub or something, and I think I got like a cherry coke or something. Ooh. So I'm about to cramp like crazy. <laughs> I'll take a cherry <laughs> coke. That sounds really good. Yeah. 
All right. <laughs> it was pretty good. Thank you for your time. We'll keep an eye out. No pressure. We're rooting you on. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk Thanks, to you guys. next time. Take it easy. See you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Peace. Okay. Nick, you said Paul's there. Is that accurate? Is, is Would it be putting him on the spot? Did he want to say hi, or does he not want to say hi? I can see if he wants to say hi. <laughs> no. Just... Give me one second. I can see. What is he going to say? He's like, no, Nick, I do not want to. And then we're just like awkward. <laughs> Okay, no big deal. Um, so, yeah. it, otherwise, I mean, if he's not there, I know you're super hungry. If he's there and he wanted to say hi, let's do that. But let's do this really quick. I'm pretty sure he's still here. There's a few things Thanks. we we uh, got way too excited about for episode 100, and I have to apologize. Our episode 100 is presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. You can check them out at CosmicDG.com. I want to be clear. This partner to us is a really big deal. They're here to support our show. Uh, they really... I mean, they want to be known. Obviously, they're putting it up here on our show, but we want them to feel supported. They are not massive. They're not like your biggest manufacturers out there. They're not like your biggest pro shop out there. Uh, and so with that in mind, go over and support them as much as you can. And CosmicDG.com, check it out. Uh, in fact, go full screen real quick. Look at this. I'm or on me. Sorry. There it is. That logo, it's in the top right of our video screen up here too, or... This right there. It's hard to do it reverse. Uh, CosmicDiscGolf.com, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for that. Okay. So, wow. Another thing. Nick, what's the temperature like out there at D-Glow right now? 85 and sunny. Do you like it or is your grip good? I mean, is your grip staying consistent and enhanced it's with DG Max Wax? It has been enhanced, and it's actually been great. It hasn't been, like, insanely humid, which is awesome. Yeah, so this product, again, I'll say it over and over. We had a heat wave in New England last week, and by heat wave, 95. This week, it's well in the 90s, and it's going to, Evan, while you're away, I don't know if you saw this week coming by Thursday, it's going to be, like, 95 again. This whole week oh. is coming up, heat wave. This product what? enhances my grip, consistent grip. This is a mini. Smells great. Right, Evan? Can you smell it through the screen here? Let me hand it. I wish it smells so good. Okay. It smells good. It enhances your grip and the snap stick. Here it is. It's not chapstick. Don't try it on your lips. Snapstick. Excellent product. Go over to dgmaxwax.com. This is great product. And um, use code Nick and Matt. Get 10% off the checkout and get a great product. We've had people message us, Nick. I don't know if you've seen it. I use DG Max Wax and I got my first ace. Oh, he's on mute. But all the time, people are uh, saying, Whoops. like, I'm on mute. I got Sorry. aces. I'm like, I don't know if it's because of it, but let's go with that. It's pretty cool. So I would love to get an ace with DG Max Wax on. I haven't got an ace in a hot minute. Okay. I could totally use one this weekend. To we'll be do honest. an ace challenge if and when you come back up to Ooh. New England. So, all right. I'm down with that. I'll smoke you guys. <laughs> I know you probably will. Don't bring your friend Macbeth either. Yeah. Who's all that? Right. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> So Nick's super hungry. Are we about to let you go? I Nick? am. Yes, I'm actually going to peace out. Okay. Um, we might try to. Uh, no. We got to get food and then. We're done. All that. Anyways. Well, yeah. Evan and I will hang out for just a little bit. Ben too. But I yes. do want to be very clear. A few things. I said this in the beginning. But we are not doing an episode like on Monday following D-Glow. So if you're hearing this now and it's, you know, not following D-Glow. We're not doing one following D-Glow, unfortunately. Yes. So after today's round, Nick, I hate to do this to you. Put, pick who you think is going to win after you've seen today's round. Uh, Paul. My boy, 
Paul Macbeth. Yeah, and I think that's not a bad pick. Uh, but the yeah. way Kyle Klein plays this course, it's going to be tough to keep up, I think. so. Exactly. We will, He's on the revenge tour right now. Yeah. We're going to leave our so, picks right Kyle now. Kyle played awesome. It's hard to pick ahead like this anyways, yeah. and then people listen to it after, and they're laughing at our picks. So, but. Paul, Katrina Allen, those are my picks. <laughs> I will go yep. Paige over Katrina for you on that one. Right. And Sounds good. It's hard to pick anybody over Paul on this one, so I think I'm going to go Paul too, yep. but my second pick would be Kyle Klein, but that's just me being yeah. lazy. So. All right, we'll let you go, Nick, and I'll hang out with folks. I'll hang out with Evan for just a little bit here, and we'll close it out. Take it easy. I'll try to jump back in the chat if I can. (laughs) Yeah, hold it down. Thanks. Peace. All right, so now Nick's screen is blank. That's fine if you want, or you can just go full screen on us, Ben. Yeah. Okay. So, Evan, thanks for bringing all that you did there. Um, You're walking up and down the hill. Did you? I mean, assuming you did, were you following a card today at Diglo? Yeah, I followed the feature women and then I was beat and we kind of decided ahead of time we would do the women day one and then the men lead to day two and then both day three. I don't know if that's going to happen. I I, honestly, my ankles kind of burning just because you're walking on so many slopes. Oh, man. What would you do for this right now? now? I was just going to say, what would you do for that right now? I'm assuming you forgot to bring it because you didn't think ahead to what those hills would do to you. I didn't think okay, ahead. So You're here's right. what we're talking about, everybody. We're talking about Hempfield Botanicals. Hempfield Botanicals. By the way, every time I talk about a product on the show, there's a few reasons for it. We want to support local disc golf. Okay. We also want to support those who support disc golf. If you have a product that you're already using, considering using Hempfield Botanicals, one, because they like disc golf, two, because it's a great product. Evan, what would you do for the feeling of this uh, muscle recovery right now? Yeah, you know that's what I'm about. Oh man, I well, I'm not gonna walk anywhere because that'd be so painful <laughs> to get there before I could do it. But maybe uh, I don't know. Meet Nick in the parking lot and exchange, exchange yeah. some good. Meet, meet up with Nick. He's like, I got some, bro. We're gonna we're gonna trade yeah. some uh, CBD products in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, right. But after this, I'm taking a cold shower like one footed going to lean on my left foot instead and well, hopefully that does it but wish i had that instead because that'd be so much easier yeah and i think you'll remember next time you travel but i will in fact i'm traveling this week and i'm going to go out to lake tahoe for a week of training and while i'm out there you better believe i'm hitting up a disc golf course or two because i'm in training all day every day but i'm going to make it out in the evenings and try to get in around simon told me a few of the best ones out there because he was just there and he said it's one of the most beautiful places like he's ever been to in the world. And I'm kind of excited to go training there. And my point yeah. is, I am going to bring this because now you just reminded me you'll miss it if you don't have it. So hempfieldbotanicals.com. Super easy, right? Hempfieldbotanicals.com and, and use code Nick and Matt and you get 20% off. That's a, that's a lot for a CBD product. So go do that. We're really happy with their support for us. You go support them. Use the code and they'll know that we're working together for disc golf. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Hey, to hop in is I went to LVC earlier this year, Las Vegas challenge. And after that comboed it with a little ski trip with my brother, who's in California. So flew up to Tahoe after Vegas and was there for, you know, like two thirds of a week, like four or five days. Simon's right. That place is beautiful. I unfortunately couldn't play disc golf. Excuse me. There's a little bit too much snow on the ground, but 
if I would assume that disc golf is going to be pretty hilly, rocky, a lot of uneven surfaces. So I think you're on the right page, but like one of the best places I've ever been in my life. Okay. Well, awesome. So uh, we're just going to kind of close it out with a little bit of talk here. I know you're hungry as well. We, we're so glad they still made it on. Ben's here with me holding down the show, but uh, not having you in studio is different. Um, and Nick being out of studio is normal, but your times and your events, I mean, it's mid event for everybody out there. It's been really cool to have you guys back on for tonight's show, episode 100. Uh, so I just want to say we had a lot of topics lined up here, but I'm thinking we need some more Nico talk. <laughs> I will say this, we're not, we're not going to like talk about it, about it, but both Terry Miller made a post and then I saw a post, two things. One Social media for Nico is seemingly strong. I guess he's out playing disc golf. That's great. He enjoys disc golf, right? And he said he's he's at some counselor and I want to say it was Sweden. So he's taking care of himself. It's good to hear. You know, he's still enjoying the game that he loves. That's excellent. Uh, so that's my Nico talk for tonight. <laughs> We're not TMZ. We're not really digging in that much on what's happening there. Although I do think the PDGA is going to make an announcement very soon. I would expect it. I expected it this week. I mean, technically it's still Friday, but it's 9.02 Eastern. I think it's going to come out within the next week or so. They don't want to delay on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side is Terry Miller made a post about rangefinders. What do you think about this, Evan? Uh, do you use a rangefinder? I think you do, right? Yeah, I use uh, a, one of the Bushnell rangefinders, and the I mean, we talk about it a lot, but Meadowbrook has a lot of open shots, so it I have trouble kind of gauging that kind of in between like two seventy five to like. 350 like all that within that range it's really good to get it down within 20 feet so i personally enjoy it when this is i'll go to terry miller's post in a minute but when do you usually do you use that in tournaments i i think maybe once okay not often but i mean also a lot of our tournaments are in the woods where you don't like you have a tee side and then after that it's kind of an upshot well i've seen people uh range find the basket from circle's edge once to see if it was outside and i'm like i don't know if you could actually Mm -hmm. do that but anyways my point with this is terry made a post he's like hey i'm all for range finders and i'm just paraphrasing this but like do it within your 30 seconds it's a rule right now and the pdj is like really trying to start cracking down on this and i thought it was interesting because it's true People are waiting until they're stepping up to their lie, which then is them addressing the lie in a reasonable amount of time after somebody else is thrown, their clock has started. So if they pull a rangefinder up to their face and they're taking, you know, their sweet time, I want to say 10, 15 seconds trying to dial it in, putting it back into their bag. I mean, half their time's gone. And then if they're slow at all addressing their actual throw, they're a violation. And uh, Terry's saying he's seeing that everywhere. I mean, are we going to address this at some point like, either get rid of a time violation and go more PGA with pace of play. Um, or do we like that there's a rule and that's part of the game. You have to address it. We'll call it quick. Um, and I saw people being like, just use the range finder before you address your lie and just deduct the distance that you're away from it. So while somebody else is throwing, use your range finder and figure it out. But what do you think about that? This is a short topic here. We don't need to go crazy on it, but do you like the idea of just making a pace of play rule? getting rid of a time thing and just saying pace of play. You can get warned and penalized if you're not keeping a good pace. Uh, Or do you like the fact that there's a timer? Like what's your thought on that? I personally think it's, it's probably best to have a timer. You know, I'm not super uh, well aligned with the rules of, of traditional golf and the differences between maybe PGA and like a local tournament. 
Um, whereas in disc golf, kind of everything's under the PDGA umbrella currently. So I think Terry Miller's point too, obviously comes from the pro side, but when PDGA makes rules, they got to think of everyone. Um, and I think if you went to a, a more vague kind of, um, just pace of play, it would, it would be a little bit worse off on your amateur ranks or in your local pro tournaments. Um, but if that was something where there's a difference between the, uh, the, the amateurs and local tournaments compared to the, you know, pro tour, um, I think that makes sense. But to kind of address the range finders, I, I agree with what you said in kind of your end point, which is it, it's pretty easy to, uh, if you know you're kind of 30 feet away from your disc, just hitting it there while you're waiting, find out, okay, yeah, I'm 350. So now when I step up on my disc, I'm 320. Um, I think mm -hmm. that kind of basic math, you know, I'm not trying to be all stat mando here, but I think that kind of basic <laughs> math, a lot of people could do. And that's okay. Some of um, us just don't have that skill, you know, like we're not. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but like I there's always a lot of talk about how it's a skill of like depth perception. And I mean, maybe I say this because my depth perception is terrible. Um, I'm so bad at kind of gauging those distance on my own. But I think just with the way the courses are constantly changing, I mean, think about this D-Glow course, how many changes there were and players are coming back from Europe. They don't really have adequate time to practice it, that a range fighter can cut down on a lot of that. Um, so I think, you know, in the, in caddy books, you know, they're, they're getting better every single year, but they're still not in depth enough that it says where each landing zone is and how far they are away from the pin and the T and, and all that information. So I think range finders are still very helpful. I, I love the tool. I don't use it. I have one that I don't use. Um, but I love the tool because in my head, I'm like, man, it is an advantage because like you said, like, I know how far I can throw my comet. If I rip, this is my arm, everybody. <laughs> if I rip a comment on a good line and it's a floaty disc, so it's like, I'm not, I can't throw it so hard and torque it over. If I throw it on a good solid throw, it's like 300 feet, like almost on the dot, but I got to really kind of throw it there. And I go, Hey, if that's 260, like I don't have to throw it as hard. Or if I see it's 300, I'm like, dude, you got to throw this comment as hard as you can just about. Right. And so it's very helpful in understanding how far to clear water, all that stuff, right. To the edges and like, I'm not so much talking about the getting rid of the device per se, but like, yeah, I think if we have the rule for time, they've got to do it within the time rule. That being said, my opinion right now differs from yours, Evan. I, I talked to somebody recently who plays a lot of PGA. I say PGA, never mind, not PGA. A lot of uh, disc golf tournaments with their children um, and their teenagers. And I asked a lot of these questions regarding like time because it was a big deal coming up. And they said, I was like pressing them and they were like time, like, no, there's no time regulation for like how fast we have to hit a ball or like when we have to, they said there was time. If you lost a ball, just like the, the PDGA, there's three minute timer. They have the same timer for a loss to keep that pace moving, but not for actually addressing your lie. I think it's, it comes down to a pace of play. And that's it. Again, if the group is not holding anybody up, then I kind of feel like if it's not holding anybody up, then there should be no warnings. Um, that being said, there's a lot of intricacies there and people can throw a lot of what ifs to me. But I think generally I like the idea of letting the pace of the group. I, I'm really fast and I am a fast player. And uh, Evan, you play really slow, which is not the case. I feel like it might be annoying to me, but the pace works out. And it's like, hey, I'm really fast. I could slow down. And we could kind of make this, you know, more balanced. 
Anyways, drop your opinion in the comments if you have them there. Do you think we should just go to a pace of play rule? Do you think we should increase the time limit to make it more reasonable now that we have things like range finders? Um, or is it great that you love the 30 seconds and you think that's just a really specific, awesome element of disc golf? Let us know what you think. Uh, real quick before we go, Ben has barely been on the show tonight <laughs> except for a few laughs. Yeah. What do you think? Pace of play or a timer or increase the timer? What do you think about that rule? Um, I I think I'm a pace of player. Um, I know golf. You just said golf does it. They do it well. Um, I just think I think it's about respect. I think the whole thing with Nico was he he just joked about it too much. He, Here we go with Nico again. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying he joked about it too much and he had a little chip on his shoulder. It's like yeah, I'll take that time. Like I don't care. I'm the man. Um, and you and he joked about it way too often um so i i think people need to be respectful and have pace of play i don't think it should be time it's tough because me as an amateur if i know i'm getting timed it's like i get way more like oh my goodness but um i don't know how pros react to that but i think they should take as much time in a respectful way that they can um to um you know get the best shot they possibly can without feeling the need to be timed. And if that pace of play is normally like 20 seconds per shot, um, and if people can go over a little bit, that's fine. Um, but I think I think that'll just make everything a lot more easier for people not to call. And it'd be awkward, like Chandler was saying, the reason you don't call is because it ruins the vibe of the card in your round. Um, well, let's get Marshalls on every card. And then I just thought up, and obviously oh, I'm, I'm being <laughs> I'm being a little bit of facetious when I say that. I mean, we've talked that out. What's the actual logistics of getting a marshal or an official on every card? It's coming. It, I think it will come. I think it will, for sure. But I just thought through the pace of play thing. Evan, what do you think about this? I think someone in the chat said this, but everybody's pace of play is different. So if you do take really long, Evan, and I'm fast, but we're still too slow and a group's catching us and a marshal or official's like, hey, you're going too slow. This is a warning. I look at you and I'm like, come on, Evan, you're, you're, you're making it bad for all of us. Right. So then it still creates that vibe. I mean, do you see that as a problem too, with my, my quote unquote argument? Yeah, I see where you're like, that's where I don't know enough about PGA, uh, and how they operate, like with pace of play, like can a, can a marshal then say, hey, specific player, you're taking too long, you need to speed it up. Could that player just be like, no, and there's no penalty for it? Is <laughs> if like the marshal steps in, like it just it, that almost opens up more gray area to me. And there's already too much gray area with the time violation. But I like one thing I do want to say is if if you have uh, a card where one person takes really long and one person goes really fast, the really fast player doesn't really affect the others. But the really slow person does. Um, so like, that's kind of the issue there. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think you can make an argument on if it should be more than 30 seconds. Hey, should it be 45 seconds? Should it maybe be different when you're putting compared to when you're driving? Like there's all those conversations you could have. But I think just we shouldn't make the rules more vague. OK, think of this. I just, I'm kind of laughing in my head. We would have to do like some sort of big uh case study of some sort where we get 72 players out on a course for shotgun start and we don't i guess you could throw the disc we don't actually count like you holing out we just have everybody throw whatever par is right let's just go with that 
And then we just literally start a timer 30 seconds on every player. And we just move advance. After 30 seconds, move advance for the whole course and see how fast a round happens when you actually follow the 30-second rule. Like, no deviation from it. Just start, stop, 30 seconds, move, throw your disc, whatever. And how much time do you think we're saving if we actually followed the 30-second rule? It's probably a lot at this point. And that's where I'm kind of going. If everybody is probably going 45 seconds to a minute, like, it's realistically, that's probably the case. Can't we just make the rule that and say, listen, this is what it is. We're just going to start here. We'll go with the minute, and we'll just move forward with that. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's also a good solution. If people want more time, give them more time. But then that should be like the set bar none. Like if you're going over that, then it's over. Um, like you said, a lot of people are taking more than thirty seconds, and I think it's just for the spectators themselves. I think people want to see good good disc golf. They don't want to see fast disc golf. Yeah, fast <laughs> disc golf. They want to see the the best shots. The, the high intensity. No one wants to be in hole 18 um, having to get rushed to ho- potentially win a major. But like people want that to build that suspension. Um, I think it's pace of play is the answer, but maybe it's you get timed after you get a warning or something. Or or just increase the time limit, I'd say. is is <laughs> I think the first option I said is a little too complicated or just increase <laughs> the time So, limit. and we'll just close that comment by saying this. I think and this is silly, but take the average right now, or not the average, like, yeah, the general average for how long people are taking now. Statmando could do this. They could watch around and just time everybody and be like, hey, here's the average it takes for everyone to throw. And then we just go, listen, that's really what's happening on the course right now. Rather than asking everybody to start speeding up and let's enforce that rule because it matters. Let's say what we currently have, I feel generally like we have a good product. So like, let's just go with that, make that the new standard. I'm not the PDGA. I'm not on the rules committee. It's not going to happen, but that's kind of my thought. The other thing, and, and getting ready to close out on this topic, and it's more for the audience to think about, uh, the comment on, and maybe to chat about while we get ready to wrap up. Why does it seem, and Statmando, I don't know, Evan, if you have any stats on this, but why does it seem that Paul shows up midseason with his strongest effort? And usually it's leading up to things like majors or worlds, um, I feel like we see that fairly regularly. He comes into what we would call peak. And I don't know how you would look at that with stats, but like you'd have to start looking at like season, you know, events, how many and what point, like does he play a better percentage? That's a lot of work. But the eye test tells me that's what it looks like. Do you have any feeling on that at all without looking at numbers? Like does he seem to peak closer to midseason with and usually Worlds is in July? Yeah, I mean, I think like, it, it, it could be true, but I feel like enough people talk about it too <laughs> that now you think about it whether true. you actually would or not. Self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but I, I mean, just like one number I can throw out or one set of numbers is like Paul McBeth at Worlds is insane uh, that he has, you know, been first or second every year since 2012. Uh, he, he may not win every year, but he's right there in the hunt in European Open. We just saw the, he He's won won every single time since 2011 until this year, um, of course, happening every other year occasionally. Um, but still, just that he's at the top of all these events so consistently, it you just it has to be true. But you know, we could dive into like what you know set of months he does the best. You know, um, is does he struggle in the early months or maybe the very end? 
um, which not that I have an initial reaction to, except for the fact that it could be course driven. Um, beginning of the year, we see courses, uh, I mean, well, Memorial, which he does very well at, but I'm thinking like LVC isn't really his strong suit to dominate um, just because we've seen a lot of unique winners there um, or other, I don't know. But then now that I say that, I think Memorial and I think Waco and Belton, he's done very good at, although he hasn't won. So I don't know. Who am I to know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I'm just saying I test. And as, I think you made a great point, and I thought about this. It's kind of self-fulfilling. We're like, hey, he's played really good at majors midseason, and, or last year he showed up at Des Moines, and then he went to Worlds and he performed well, and it's like, you kind of you're looking at the European Open. Here he is again, but he hasn't been playing well pre like the earlier portion of the season. I think he's been mm -hmm. averaging like outside of tenth place. Uh, I think that's accurate. I don't know. I'd have to ask that man to follow up on that. <laughs> but let me see. Yeah, keep that out later. Let me see. Maybe I don't have it here. It's somewhere else. It's in one of my other show notes. Do do do. Let me just pull it up. I think I have it right here. Opening up my Word document. Macbeth averaging eleventh over the course of the elites and majors. Was uh, that before European Open? Did that bring it down? Yeah, I'm right. Uh, no, I think that was actually, I think that's actually with the European Open, I think. Um, but here's the deal. I mean, at DDO, he was 51st. So, I mean, that's a significant chunk. And then OTB was 19th. If you get rid of those two events specifically, he was fifth place, averaging. So that's not that bad. But like when you start looking at it and you're feeling like, oh man, you put those events in there and it's, it seems recency bias. And then you say, well, look at it. it was a major and it's mid season now. Like he did well. Right. So is it that he shows up to majors? Maybe that's the talking point, but I guess how does the, how does the audience feel right in the chat or the comments or whatever? Think through this. Like, is it just me self-fulfilling prophecy? Do you think he actually does? Does he work? I was going to ask him tonight if he swung in the show for even a minute. I was going to say like, is this true for you? Like, are you trying to peak out right at this time of the year so you're ready? Are you holding back the rest of the season? I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's holding back. He's a competitor. But, like, it just it was a curiosity, curiosity factor there. So, all right. Um, we've taken enough of everybody's time. I know we're all here to do a show, but we still appreciate it. Ben, you coming in. Evan, you taking the time mm -hmm. out there when you're out at D-Glow land. Uh, go catch up with your friends. Nick's already doing that with his friends and Discraft. We're over here hanging out in my basement. <laughs> and... Uh, that's all I got tonight. Um, I do want to say thank you once again to our presenting episode sponsor, 100 of CosmicDiscGolf.com, CosmicDG.com, Cosmic Disc Golf being the awesome brand, the shirt I'm wearing. We love what they're doing. Check them out. Get their apparel. Wear it. Represent proudly. Uh, disc Golf. All right. I'm not here to say what Nick says. It's kind of weird. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I can Ben will give him. it a go. Um, that has been episode 100. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, and there it is again. All right. Nick and Matt Whoa, it, he's got an exclusive he's dropping for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, just that it's episode 100. We appreciate the support, even though I've been here for since episode maybe 70, 80. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah, it feels like forever, though. I can't yeah, remember before, February, but. January. So, yeah, what are you going to tell? I mean, tell someone you tell uh, yeah, someone. Yeah, I was just going to say, tell someone you love them. Um, that's about it. <laughs> That's about it. All right. Ben, Evan, and Nick, if you're listening in, you're awesome. And uh, we, again, we won't be here the coming week of DGLO or the week after. I apologize. Unless 
by some amazing situation, I get on my phone and we just say hi. But Unless you want an intern Ben only show. <laughs> People will say yes to that. So we'll see. We'll have to do an exclusive Patreon Ben yeah. only show. Holy All right. Man. Peace out, everybody. You guys are awesome. We'll catch up later. Have a good time out there and be safe, everybody. Until next time, peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.